Oh, it's you. Hello there. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. Come on in, come on in. Have a seat, relax, relax. Ah, long time no see. Long time no chat. Long time no listen. You're just in time. I've just finished watching a giant mountain of my movie library so that we could talk about them. And I'm ready to talk somebody's ear off. <laughs> Sorry I haven't had you over for a chat in a while. I've been so busy watching things I haven't answered my phone or been online or anything. I've just been sitting in front of the giant 70-inch 4K HDR LED TV being slowly drawn closer to the black, the dark, black abyss. The important thing is you're here now. If I'd known you were coming, I would have shaved this scruffy beard and would have brushed my teeth. But if you're willing to forgive my appearance, let's go ahead and talk about some movies, shall we? Maybe for today, we'll keep it relatively short. I have a few movies that were pretty wintry-themed that weren't good for Christmas, but aren't really good for any other time of the year. It's good for this kind of weird up-and-down winter weather we've been having. It might feel a little random, but uh, I think it'll make for some good conversation. Oh, and you may want to keep your jacket on. Things are about to get chilly. Let's talk about a little film called Snowpiercer. This one comes from South Korean filmmaker Bong Joon-ho, you know, the writer-director of last year's multi-Oscar winner Parasite. While Parasite was completely in Korean, Snowpiercer is more accessible for non-native speakers and is presented mostly in English. Of course, there are a couple characters who do speak Korean in the picture. They're subtitled and the majority of the rest of the film is in English. Snowpiercer is based on a graphic novel uh, from France, I believe, and it follows what's left of humanity who have boarded a perpetual motion train after a drastic attempt to reverse global warming backfires and it transforms the planet into one giant ice orb. So sends us back to an ice age, basically, and the, the train, um, it's, it's powered by these mysterious forces that keep it going forever. It goes around the entire planet, and it's called Snowpiercer because it pierces through the glacial things and the, the big snowfalls that end up landing on the, on the railways around the planet. I know that's a lot to digest already, but don't worry. Once you accept that concept, which is detailed in 
the uh, opening title cards to really kind of put you in the world and it really kind of gives you that backstory, then I think the rest of the film was pretty accessible. So the film stars Chris Evans, who's best known for playing Marvel's Captain America. He stars as Curtis, the reluctant leader of a faction of impoverished people who leave the rear of the train to go toward the front of the train. Basically, he and his fellow carmates are just sick and tired of the poor living conditions back at the end of the train, the lack of real food and equality and all this stuff, and, of course, the military oppression enforced upon them from the higher-class people that live further up on the train. It's worth noting here that this train civilization would not have been possible without the engineering genius of Mr. Wilford, whose initial is everywhere on the train, big giant W, as well as his authoritative rule. Joining Chris Evans in his attempt to control the train, we have Octavia Spencer, who I met working on Hidden Figures a few years back, Jamie Bell, who played Billy Elliot as a child, Evan Bremner, uh, you may recognize him from Trainspotting or Wonder Woman, and of course the legendary John Hurt appears in a few short years before he passed away. Tilda Swinton, the chameleon actress that she is, appears in a supporting role as one of the enforcers of Wilford's Law. And Song Kang-ho, a frequent collaborator of director Bong Joon-ho, who you may recognize as the father of the main characters in Parasite from the lower class. Uh, He plays a, a very important supporting character to Chris Evans, and he proves very vital to their efforts to take over the train. Now, I'm not going to spoil who plays Wilford, but I will tell you that uh, if you know American cinema of the past 30-something years, you'll be pleasantly surprised by the actor who portrays him. Now, I've seen Snowpiercer, I don't know, maybe three or four times now. As heavy as the subject matter is in this film, the way the story is presented here is just, it really, I don't know, it captures my imagination every time I watch it. While I don't think Snowpiercer is as good as other films by Bong Joon-ho, Uh, My favorites of his are probably Memories of Murder and Parasite, or maybe even Mother, because that's really good, but I'll get more into his films another time. Um, What I do like about Snowpiercer is is the blend of the dystopian sci-fi action and the sociopolitical commentary. It's all kind of pureed flawlessly, providing something of a think piece that accompanies some really stellar visuals. Uh, This one was released in 2013. And it was the first live-action adaptation of the French graphic novel that I talked about earlier. Um, There was another adaptation that recently aired um, on TNT. I think it's it's getting ready to do its second season now. Uh, It starred Jennifer Connelly and and, uh, David Diggs. Uh, I I haven't watched that version yet, but uh, I've heard pretty good things. Although, just... From the little bit of, like, promos and teasers I've seen of it, it, visually it looks pretty much on par with uh, Bong Joon-ho's 2013 film. So I'll have to check it out, and so will you. Snowpiercer is perfect for an afternoon of action, suspense, and spectacle while you sit (laughs) inside during these bitter cold days of winter. And as heavy as the subject matter in this film can be, it has a surprisingly hopeful ending. Uh, But I won't tell you anything more, so you're going to have to go uh, watch it yourself. There's something about winter and a good thriller. I'm not sure what it is other than the sense of isolation we all feel while we're stuck inside during the colder days, but there's just something about 
you know, all the snow built up and being stuck in and raising tension. And maybe I've just watched The Shining too many times. <laughs> but I decided to go back to 1965 for a, um, a little thriller called Ten Little Indians. Now, this is based on the Agatha Christie play more so than her novel. Um, but the film tells the story of ten strangers who have been summoned to a luxurious mountaintop mansion only to find themselves being picked off one by one as a punishment for their past crimes or sins. A mystery on a snow-capped mountain. What could go wrong? Director George Pollock helms this one, and he is no stranger to the works of Agatha Christie, having directed all four of the Margaret Rutherford Miss Marple pictures. Um, Those came out a few years prior to this uh, Ten Little Indians adaptation. Um, this was also George Pollock's final film before he retired, but he clearly gives his all in crafting an intricate but often quite twisty whodunit. It, uh, it boasts a pretty impressive cast of both American and English performers, um, and it keeps you guessing right to the very end. Some of the stars you might recognize and some you might not, but here's a quick rundown anyway. Hugh O'Brien plays a mysterious American who has somebody else's luggage. There's... Teen idol Fabian uh, basically plays an alcoholic parody of himself. Uh, Bond girl Shirley Eaton from Goldfinger uh, plays the seemingly innocent Anne Clyde, while Dahlia Lavie, another Bond girl from the original Casino Royale, that's the one with Peter Stellars and David Niven. It was more of a comedy version, but anyway, I'll talk about that when I talk about Bond. (laughs) Um, She's in this one, and she plays a feisty actress. Uh, If you're a fan of... My Fair Lady, you'll recognize uh, Stanley Holloway and Wilford Hyde White as a detective and a judge, respectively. Uh, They are both members of this seemingly random guest list. Uh, The film also features Dennis Price, not to be confused with Vincent. (laughs) Dennis Price plays a doctor, and Marianne uh, Hope, or Hoppy, there's two Ps, um, is also there. Uh, She plays a couple opposite Mario Edorf. And uh, that that couple is is sort of like the uh, they play caretakers for the mansion during the festivities. Now, if you forget who these people are before you watch, don't worry. Uh, the whole opening sequence, as they're being um, basically ski lifted up to the uh, mountaintop mansion, every single actor gets a title card. It's it's really cool the way they did it. Um, so look out for that. There's a fun fact. The mysterious voice, which dictates uh, various alleged crimes and sins of these guests fairly early on in the movie, um, that voice is none other than Sir Christopher Lee, although he was uncredited in the role. With such an impressive cast of actors, it really is suspenseful not knowing who the murderer is, nor who will be murdered. And of course, the classic poem, Ten Little Indians, comes into play in the story and is featured both literally and symbolically throughout the film. Uh, there's lots of, like, little things throughout the castle and, or the mansion or whatever, and um, little figurines and, of course, little notes being left around that have the poem on it, and the characters are familiar with the poem, and they're all kind of trying to figure out what's going on. It's pretty pretty interesting the way they... And again, this is closer to Agatha Christie's play of the same name rather than her uh, written story. This was the first time I'd probably watched this film in 10 years, maybe. Uh, So I found myself forgetting a lot of the moments and the twists in the plot. 
my wife, who's a big Agatha Christie fan, had read the book when she was in school, but uh, was still having a hard time figuring out who done it. <laughs> this might be because just about every adaptation, whether it's the novel or the different stage adaptations or the films, there's tons of those too. Um, they've all varied as far as who lived, who died, and uh, I think the killer changed a couple of times too. So uh, this this version of the film from 1965 is presented in glorious black and white, and uh, to me that helps exhibit a greater sense of mystery. Who could be hiding in the shadows? I also feel the contrast that black and white provides actually serves this film, especially considering the setting. It makes the snow that much whiter, and it makes you know the the darkness in the mansion, especially the, during the night scenes, that much darker. Sure, isolated by snow is something we've all seen hundreds of times in movies and TV shows, but I really like the way George Pollock and his team crafted this and used the wintry atmosphere to their advantage. Um, you know, like I said, this atmosphere um, and just familiar plot devices that they've turned upside down or even just slightly askew, um, along with these stellar performances from the ensemble cast, to me, make this a must-watch. Looking for an entertaining mystery this winter? This is the solid choice. Okay, and now for something completely different. Here's a scenario for you. You and your family have watched Frozen, and Frozen 2, roughly three million times now. It's winter, so you're still looking for something fun and animated for everyone to enjoy, but... If you hear anything about building, about building, 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 snow, snowmen, going into the unknown, you're probably going to pull your hair out. Maybe it's time to try, wait for it, the Tinkerbell franchise. Hear me out on this one. So, a little while back, my wife introduced me to the first of this series of, I think, six animated Disney films starring Peter Pan's fairy friend. Being a guy who clearly likes guy things like... Snowpiercer, I was a little hesitant, but willing to watch, because I do watch just about everything. These films serve as a sort of a backstory to Tinkerbell before, you know, the film we know, Peter Pan, and honestly, I think uh, this fits in pretty nicely, no matter which version of Pan you do watch. So, making our way through this series, uh, this was the fourth entry, and it's called Secret of the Wings. Now, I'm going to preface this with letting you know that really you could watch these in any order, at least so far. Um, the first film is simply titled Tinkerbell, and it details her birth and selection into her fairy tribe. The others, while there might be some slight nods to previous events, they seem pretty interchangeable. And if you're watching these with your kids, they're not going to know, most likely, so you should be fine. The reason... This film is a good winter family film to break up the Frozen double feature marathon is because, even though at first glance uh, some of the themes are similar, they are told in a unique and different way from those other Disney films. So, here's a quick rundown of the plot. While escorting some furry friends to the border of Winterland, Tink's wings start to sparkle and glow. Confused by this, she seeks knowledge, sending her on a great adventure into the treacherous cold, not the unknown. She knows it's going to be cold. She knows there's going to be snow. Um, but there's also a little bit of the unknown stuff beyond the border. To say much more would probably spoil quite a bit of the plot, 
After all, it's a kid's movie, and they aren't typically as layered as, I don't know, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now, what I will say is I found myself actually enjoying this one uh, more than any fourth entry in a series should allow me to. Uh, It was released in 2012, so one year before the first Frozen and seven years before Frozen 2. Mae Whitman, who uh, you might know from Scott Pilgrim, uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, or The Duff, reprises her role here as uh, Tinkerbell. Like I said, this is the fourth one. She is joined by series newcomer Lucy Hale, the former Pretty Little Liars star, who's been showing up in horror movies lately, oddly enough. Uh, Hale plays a winter fairy named Periwinkle, just like the just like the flower, who proves to be extra important to Tinkerbell's continuing adventures. This might be a good time to explain one plot point, however. For some reason, one that you learn from watching the film, Tinkerbell and her fairy friends are forbidden from entering the winterland, and winter fairies are forbidden from leaving it. Naturally, Tinkerbell breaks this rule, because she's Tinkerbell, and that's what she does in this series, is break rules all the time. And she goes on a little quest to find answers to a bunch of questions. This film also features Timothy Dalton, of James Bond fame, who plays the Winter King, and Jeff Bennett, who voices the Great Keeper of Knowledge. Also, if you're a Carol Burnett fan like me, you won't help but notice Jeff Bennett's tribute to Tim Conway's Mr. Tudball during the film. Another fun factoid, this film was originally titled Tinkerbell and the Mysterious Winter Woods. Honestly, given the significance of the wings in this film, it was a wise decision to change the title to Secret of the Wings. Plus, it's a lot shorter, and kids won't be like, Mom, I want to watch Tinkerbell and the Mysterious Winter Woods. They can just go, Secret of the Wings! Secret of the Wings! Though the film mostly focuses on Tinkerbell and the new characters she encounters, a few other stars return to lend their voice talents. Angelica Houston plays the fairy queen, while Christian Chenoweth, Lucy Liu, um, who else, Megan Hilty, Pamela Adlin, uh, Raven Simone, they all return as Tinkerbell's friends. Also worth noting, if you're a Star Wars person like me, Matt Lanter, who who, uh, was the voice of Anakin Skywalker in The Clone Wars, he appears as a new character in this film. And as far as animated direct-to-video sequels to prequels (laughs) go, uh, you could do so much worse than Secrets of the Wings. So far, all four of these entries stand on their own and do not shy away from trying new things story-wise, making the Tinkerbell series a creative journey into one of Disney's most beloved side characters. Well, hopefully I gave you something different to watch this week while the winter weather starts coming to a close, thank goodness. Don't forget, you can always leave me a message or comment if uh, you think of a movie you'd like me to talk about next time. Uh, Or, if you decided to watch any of these, and, uh, you know, let me know what you thought of them. I'd love to hear hear your thoughts on the films. Be on the lookout for some bonus episodes this week as uh, we get into a certain Snyderverse. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, Thanks for stopping by today. Just a reminder, I'll be looking for your messages from now on. I'm not hibernating anymore. The time change, I'm going to get over it, and I'm going to shave, and I'm going to keep my phone on so you can call me or step into my DMs or whatever the kids are saying these days. So, uh, yeah, stop by any time. I'm always happy to talk your ears off with some movie, movie noggin knowledge. 
I'll see you next time. But before I do, one quick question. What will you watch this week?